All right, everyone. Morning. All right, let's stand up. Believe it or not, it is the first Sunday in Advent. Lord has come. Come on. 
Lord God, we just praise you for all that you do. And just this week we had Thanksgiving, and we just hope that we took time to give you thanks. But God, we recognize that you do work all things together for our good. Sometimes we may not see it. Sometimes we may not feel it. But God, we know that you have a plan and a goal for our lives, and that um, we are. it's hard to believe that we are already into this season. And so, God, right now, as I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and have a seat, we just want to um, thank you as this first week we use the, the term of, of hope for our candle. God, um, just uh, bring your Holy Spirit here as we watch this. Please have a seat. Surrounded by shadowy In darkness our hope flickers dim Our cry echoes out In the stillness of night Would you come, would you come once Come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Father, during this season of Advent, we pray that you may come and return quickly. And so, God, we recognize that the only hope for this world is Jesus. And, and as we continue to worship and glorify your name, God, we place our hope and trust in you, the, the entire light of the world. And so, God, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts and tithe, that you multiply them and use them for your kingdom here and around the world, and that the hope that we have in you will change the world in Jesus' name.
a child prays for peace on earth, but she's calling now through a sea of hurt. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And can you hear the for the Messiah to come again, right? All right. Um, what I want you to do right now, we're going to dismiss our children to our Havens Kids Ministry, and everyone else, uh, just greet one another.
And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Our second reading is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right, everyone. Hard to believe. Here we are. Yeah, am, I, am I off? Okay, there we go. Um, all right, well, we are here on our first uh, week of a new series called Christmas at the Movies. We're going to have some fun. Anybody like Christmas movies? Okay, so we're going to talk about that. But first, let's go to the Lord with some prayer requests. Our host team asked for prayers for Joe Fleming. Um, Joe is having problems with his back, and he's having leg pain. Uh, Trudy asked for prayers for her children. Um, Victoria Sheets asked for prayers for the Heath family. Angela Butch and Morgan. Emily is 12 years old and lost her battle with leukemia on Thanksgiving morning at 9.45, so please lift that family in your prayers. Um, Mike Stecker has asked for prayers for a neighbor, Annie, who has heart fluttering and weakness and is, can't see, is not seeing a doctor till the 12th. Um, and for Scott Korn, home after a month of hospitalization and recovering from radical cancer surgery and, um, and removing tongue and uh, the voice box. So you want to continue to pray for Scott and all that. And Emily Hewitt, pray for um, that rig and Sarah Mullen will be restored back to good health. I know they've been struggling with some health issues. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, if you will, with me right now. Heavenly Father, we um, just once again come to you. We recognize there are, there are many needs, many um, challenges. We also know that uh, even with all the festive nature of the holidays, that many of us are still dealing with things. We're dealing with uh, what just seems so senseless, the loss of a young young child um, and a young person. God, this just makes no sense to us, particularly in this season. And so be with that family. Um, for those who are struggling with health issues, with hearts and, um, and cancer and just all kinds of other things, God, be with them. For anyone experiencing loss or pain, for prayer for those that are close to us in our families that we just have special needs that only you know about. Um, and for, for others that just are dealing with whatever comes their way, uh, Lord, we just pray that you will uh, send your Holy Spirit to them, that you will um, minister only the healing that you can. And for that, we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody says, amen. All right. So, um, again, we are on our, um, on our first week of a four-week series leading up to Christmas. But before that, I do want to welcome everybody. If you're visiting with us today, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, uh, you guys were the successful ones that were able to pull yourself out of the turkey slumber and the stuffing and all that good stuff. Isn't it like the greatest meal when you, when you have been building up for it? And then after like three days, you go into like Wawa and see the uh, gobbler and you want to throw up. You know what I mean? It's just that, like that kind of thing. But anyway, it's, it's awesome and it's a great time to just stop. Isn't it nice to just stop the world and just enjoy um, family and friends and sleep and all that kind of stuff? Um, it is good uh, to see that. I do want to give you some quick updates, if you will. Um, 
we are doing the project Angel Tree, and um, Angel Tree, um, it says the 15th in your bulletin, but we need to get those in sooner. So they said the 8th. We need to have them in the 8th so they can distribute them. So if you can, please go ahead and uh, take one of those, get them connected, and so we can go ahead and have those in next week. Uh, I believe there's still maybe a couple if you'd like to go ahead and connect with that. Also, um, I did want to go ahead and give you a big uh, thumbs up and official word right now. Um, for Thanksgiving meals, it got up to 220 that were served in our community. Give yourselves a hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, 200, so 220 people are, are miserable because of you today. So thank you. Uh, but no, that's awesome. That, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, and then Operation Christmas Child was 318. So we set the bar at 300. And so yeah, go ahead and give yourself. Uh, so what I want you to do is on Christmas, um, before you look around, you just remember that 318 uh, children are going to receive something to know that God loves them. So that's awesome. So I am so thrilled about that. All right. How many of you do like Christmas movies? Okay. I'm not talking about that Hallmark trash. Don't give me that. No. I'm talking about, no, no, uh-uh. I ain't talking about that. You can yell at me later, but it is garbage. No, uh-uh. Um, so I'm talking about real Christmas movies, like Miracle on 34th Street. Not that new one. Yeah, you can go to the colorized version, but I'm saying the old one, right? Natalie, young Natalie Wood. All right? White Christmas, right? Those kind of things. All right. The claymation figures kind of, right? Remember them or whatever they were? Okay. Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph. I love those. I remember how we, as a kid, we could not wait, right? Could not wait till it came on television. And now we just have it all at our disposal. And so we are going to do a series. Basically, yes, Chris. There you go. It's a wonderful life. Mary, how can you forget that one, right? So all those, all those come together. And so what we are going to do, we are going to take a movie for the next four weeks, and we're going to look at those movies, and we're going to draw something from those movies uh, and see what, that it brings some biblical truth. So we can have some fun towards the end of the year, right? That sound good? Um, and so I might even give you some that you haven't seen. But we are going to start today with this Christmas and, and the movies. Again, it's going to be four weeks, and we're going to learn about what God has for us and according to the Bible. And today, we are going to start with one of my favorite, it's been a good week, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, and it's, I've got to watch it four times already in the last two days to prepare for sermon preparation, and it is called, is the movie called Elf by Buddy the Elf, and we're going to start it off right today, so I got my Buddy the Elf shirt on today. Um, and it's a story, if you haven't seen it, about Buddy the Elf played by Will Ferrell, and as a toddler in an orphanage, he, Santa is there and goes to eat cookies, and Buddy, this little baby, crawls into Santa's bag of toys and ends up back in the North Pole and is raised by Santa and a guy named Papa Elf, who just so happens to be Bob Newhart, if many of you know Bob Newhart. He's raised as an elf, and the older that Buddy gets, he realizes that he's a little different, and he comes to find out that he's not an elf, but a human, and his real father, played by James Caan, is on the naughty list and lives in New York City, and he doesn't have a clue about Buddy. So Buddy decides to head out on a journey to find his father and overcome real-world challenges, challenges and ultimately save Christmas by convincing people that Santa and the Christmas spirit is real and recapturing that Christmas spirit. 
So the interesting thing is Buddy. Buddy learns several things, but throughout the movie, there is this theme for Buddy. And Buddy is all about this right here. He talks about spreading Christmas cheer. And he says, spreading Christmas cheer by singing loudly for all to hear. Doesn't that sound like a worship thing, right? Buddy is saying, spreading Christmas cheer by singing loudly for all to hear. Isn't there something about when you're walking somewhere and you hear Christmas songs that makes you start to sing? And even, anybody ever, remember the days of carolers? That would come to your, remember it just kind of did something. You could be miserable inside and all of a sudden you hear Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, something, reindeer, had a very, right? There's something about that that just makes you connect. But there's a problem with this. It sounds good, but there is a problem with this. During this time of year, and for Christians included in that, many of us, we don't always experience joy and cheer at this time of year. During the Christmas season, Some of us just look at it as a season to survive and get through so that we can go to the next stage of life. Or someone mentioned to me, I want to get through this and get to my next tax season. Um, Or it's filled with astronomical numbers about depression, grief, loneliness. um, And it's exacerbated by things such as loss or family and and other relationships that are strained and broken. We, some may, it just might be our, that we, get, we have financial woes and we get even more woe-filled by the end of this. Some of us have busy, busy calendars and our schedules are filled with worrying about names that we haven't worried about all year, such as Black Friday and Cyber Monday, or what I've even heard, Gray Thursday, all right? Um, and so, for many of us, Christmas appears to be hijacked in some areas and avenues, When we look at this, we want to look at the fact that Christmas can actually be more stressful than it can be joyful. It can be uh, filled with stressors if we're not careful. And our time, our body, our mind, our relational issues may just tend to put us in a place where we feel more like another Christmas person, Ebenezer Scrooge, bah humbug. And so the right spirit of Christmas and joy needs to be reestablished in our homes and our hearts. And that's why this first verse that we shared came from Luke chapter 1, where it says this. It says, that night there were shepherds staying out in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone all around them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will be what? Great joy for all people. Notice that the angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. And he says, what is that joy? Because joy in the Greek here means having a cause to be joyful. Having a reason to be joyful. Do you really have, have you ever like remember a time where there was just something that you couldn't get, you couldn't wait for? Like it could have been a birthday, could have been an anniversary. Do you remember when you were a kid, the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it seemed like it was eons, and you just were so excited, and you would bug your parents daily, can I go, can I open one present, one present? Jack, it's the day after Thanksgiving. I know, but can I open one? You know, that kind of, how many of you snooped? Anybody snoop? Look for things? Okay, yeah, yeah, we're we're all there. So we did that, and he's, but just looking for something. Looking for something, that we just look forward to something. How many of you have ever stood in line to buy something? Like, I mean, a long line. Like, 
Remember when the iPhones first came out? And there would be block, people around the block. Like, some, I've heard some people say, I can't wait. I, gotta get, I want that iPhone 11. I've got to have the extra cameras, and I've got to do all. Oh, I can't wait, right? And they're so excited. Until what? The iPhone 12. That's what happens. And so we, it, it makes us happy for that time. It's not joyful. It's happy. And so some of us, we may look forward to spending time with our relatives, and it depends on your family whether that's the cause or not. But the cause for joy is what Israel had hoped for. And what is that cause for the joy? It's simply this. He says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you some things that we can begin to look at, and we're going to put some clips in there from Elf, the movie Elf, and we're going to talk about some things that I really believe God wants us joyful in this. And the first thing that we learn is life doesn't have to be perfect for you to be joyful. Life does not have to be perfect for you to be joyful or to have joy. And so let's watch this first clip from Buddy the Elf, if you will. Yes, yes, I, I raised Buddy. I was his adopted father. Though Buddy grew twice as fast, he, he wasn't any different from the other children. Not, not too fast, Buddy. I mean, not, not really. Now, before we learn how to build the latest in extreme graphic chipset processors, let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? Number one. Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I hate to do this to you, but... Think you can help me pick up the slack on those etch sketches No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy is killing me. I already got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. I was quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. If he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. I think they're too small. They're just special. <laughs> you don't look so good, buddy. Are you okay? I'll be okay. I just need a glass of water. Buddy. All right. Okay. Buddy is a little bit different, isn't he? Buddy is a little bit different. He doesn't have the perfect life. He doesn't seem to fit in. His shoes, his bed, his shower, or anything else, correct? And Buddy literally does not fit in the whole world that he lives. He's different. He's lonely. He's made fun of. And some of us may have been exactly there in the same feelings as Buddy. You have, may have been there and not felt that you fit in. You may have felt that something was different. And you may actually be there right now. You may not fit in in your home, in your work, in your college, in school. You may feel lonely. You may have people surrounding you but still have that feeling of loneliness. And you don't feel happy at all. And so what I want to tell you today is... You can still feel 
and experience joy in your life. You see, one of the things that we have is happiness and joy. You know, David Crabtree, the writer, once said this about Christmas. He said, Christmas cheer comes under withering attack. The checkout lines go on forever. We growl and whine um, when only one of the registers is open. There's no charity in the mall parking lot. We hunt the elusive parking space like wolves. Um, Cheap, suited Santas charge a king's ransom for a picture with one of us. Uh, December is filled with long, clamorous days of culminating in weariness of singing Silent Night. uh, He said, exhausted by cantatas, parties, shopping, feasting, families, and travel, we arrive at the Bethlehem Major suffering from heat prostration. Um, Christmas Eve, we will find us lifting up our weary voices to sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. Then we rush from the service to get one last gift or visit one last party. So soon it's over. We save the bonus, uh, burn the wrapping, strip the tree, and the labor of our, our New Year's resolutions. Too often we have missed the point. We're like the man who goes, uh, goes to the coast but never sees the ocean. He says, the thrust of the holiday hijacking is all too real. Unless we engage our hearts in the true celebration of Christmas joy, we are easily caught up in a pointless, mindless holiday. Wow. Buddy does not fit in. And we may not feel, we may be like, we may say, oh my gosh, that's all too real, Mr. Crabtree. That's all too real. And so one of the things we do is we deal with this concept of happiness and joy. And happiness and joy are two completely different things. And what we find here, let's look at this, happiness is external. Happiness is an external thing. It hinges on what happens to us and what happens around us. In other words, happiness equals the term happenstance. What happens in my life? I'm happy because I'm able to buy this. I'm happy because someone gave me that. Or I'm happy because my son, my daughter, my uncle, my aunt, my grandparent, my parents, they called me. Or I'm happy because this is working out now in my life. Happiness is always a conditional thing in the midst of our lives. And it's extremely volatile because the reason why it's volatile is because it's just temporary. It's based on what happens in my life. How many of you ever left the house in a really, really good mood? Anybody? Or are you just miserable all the time, all right? Maybe you are the angry elf, which is the theme of today. So sometimes we just, and then it takes about five seconds on the road, or two seconds when you walk into work, or three seconds once you get that phone call, or you look over and you see the caller ID and you go, Ugh, right? That in that second, that means you're not joyful, it just means you're happy. The circumstances of the day, the circumstances of everything have led us to that point of happiness. Now many of us, We're taught at a very young age in the church that God doesn't want us happy. Some of us may have heard this statement, God wants you holy, not happy. Anybody heard that before? God wants you holy, not happy. Like, it's two different things that if we're holy, we're going to be miserable. Mm, Yes, God, I'm holy, right? I'm miserable. I'm so miserable, God, see? I'm really holy. Okay, And we think that, and I just believe that's completely wrong because God does want us happy. It's not either or. Randy Alcorn said this way, many Christians are laboring under the false notion that God himself is not happy. How many of you have ever had somebody approach God as God being a miserable person just waiting to part your hair with a lightning bolt? Anybody? 
And so for years, many of us had that. But this is so far from the truth. The Bible has tons of verses about God's happiness and joy and his desiring for that. And if we are his children, he desires for us to be the same way, to be happy and joyful. And seeing happiness is not bad, but the nature of happiness and seeking happiness is not bad, but the nature of happiness is only temporary. But God created us with an incredible ability to experience joy, to be joyful, and to be joy-filled. And that is not an external condition. It's an internal condition. You see, joy rises above the external circumstances of our lives. That's why joy is extremely important in what we're talking about today and during this season. Because the external outside of life, we can't do anything by, right? It's going to come, it's going to go, it's going to happen. There's going to be times of elation, there's going to be times of tragedy. When I was just thinking about this as I'm speaking. When we were just talking about, you know, many of us enjoying a morning of Thanksgiving to take time away from, from the busyness of life and everything, that even in our own community, the Heath family just suffered that loss of their child. And it was not a Thanksgiving day for them. And so it wasn't a happy day for them. Yet in my life and in several years of ministry, I have seen so much over the years of how no matter what the external is, people can still experience an internal joy that exists so much in their lives. I've seen it at the funerals of people who have believed and believed and had a faith in God that can move mountains. I saw it in, uh, in my uncle, who was a pastor for years, that when he was dying of cancer um, that I think originated in his appendix and spread when it burst, that I saw him bless each one of his children and listen to praise and worship. I've been at the bedside of people who seem to say, hey, I'm good with this. I know where I'm going. What you don't realize, we talked about generosity the last several weeks, but one of the names that some of you know because of you met this person, but some of you have no clue, is the name of a lady named Flo Dixon. And Flo Dixon, when I was at Moore's Chapel many years ago, was, and, and I left and went to Lewis, struggled with a battle of cancer. She and I met, and she lost. She was losing that battle, and I met with her one more time, and she said, I want you to do my funeral. And she said, hey, I know you want to start a church, and so I want to give you this. And she gave the first amount of money that was ever given to seed money for this church. You see, in her, she didn't want to go, but she knew that her life was in God's hands, and she had a peace that went on through that circumstance. And it was not easy for her. I have seen, there have been flow after flow after flow in my life. Where I've seen people that the outside circumstances just cause them to crumble and to be lost. But yet I've seen them grow more and more. I've seen people like Reggie, who was one of our, our great friends when we first got involved with homeless ministry. And some of you were around when Reggie was here. And I saw Reggie not want anything but just to be around people and love them. And, all, and would call you out of the blue. And he had so much joy in his life. And happiness. And I know he was around some of your Thanksgiving tables over the years because of your love and care for him. And it wasn't a labor, it was a joy. How a homeless man lifted you up in his joy. Not by the circumstance of his life, but by the, the Spirit of God that, resist, that was in him. So, how do we grab that? How do we grab that joy? Because number three, happiness depends on our wants and our happenings. Or the flesh. Joy depends on the Spirit. On the Holy Spirit. Who likes to get good gifts? 
Who likes good presents? Come on. We know that sometimes you've opened a gift and you've been like, eh, right? You go, and here's, I'm going I'm to get a secret how people, know it's not, they don't like your gift. Oh, that's, anything, oh, like that, you hear it? Ah. Right. Listen for it. I ruined it for you guys now, didn't I? Okay. All right, but we do that. So we all, all want to go ahead and have good gifts. And has there ever been a gift that you couldn't wait to have that was going to make you happy? Anybody? Did you ever have a gift that you were like, I want this, I need it, I got to have it. Now. And when you got it, you're like, this is going to be happiness. And I couldn't find it today, and then Lisa's going to be upset. Because she's seen 20 years of my Charlie McCarthy doll. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's a little ventriloquist dummy. Anybody remember these? Okay. I wanted Charlie McCarthy more than anything in the world. Little, I saw him in the Sears catalog. For those young people, it's like the internet in paper, okay? So, <laughs> all right, it's, it's Amazon on paper, okay? So, um, but yeah, and when I got up Christmas morning, bam, Charlie McCarthy in a box about this tall was there. I ripped that sucker open. They even had like a little pink pamphlet to teach you how to do ventriloquist. If you don't know how to be a ventriloquist, it's where you kind of like keep your mouth shut. And you're like, uh-huh. Okay, got it? And I was going to be the greatest ventriloquist. It was going to make me so happy. And about a week after that dumb thing, it was some creepy thing in my room that I just wanted to throw out. Because have you ever tried to be a ventriloquist? It is hard. You don't just pull it out and it works. Hello, hello, how are you? You can't do it. It was impossible. So what I thought was going to make me happy, in turn, ended up making me miserable. And now he's just been used more so than a ventriloquist in sermon props for 24 years. So much so that somebody came and gave me another dummy one time. I guess they figured three dummies together might make it work. But I wanted it. You see, the external, external circumstances, when I wanted it and I opened it up, made me happy. When I had it, it made me miserable, and so I was not happy. But guess what? That is what happiness does. Happiness is about my wants and my happenings, where joy is about the Spirit of God. And so it's not about what we want. It's about what God has to make us joyful. Have you ever had that gift that makes you just joyful? Like, you may not have hoped that your children would draw some horrible drawing and give it to you that says, I love you, Daddy. But, oh, that's the joy of your heart, right? You plop that sucker right on the front of your fridge. You keep it when you keep nothing else. I found when we were in Lewis, a, and Miguel's going to laugh about this, she made a little clay Jesus for me. And it's just his head, and he's wrapped up, and I found it. And I kept it all these years. And it's there. It, you know what? It, it's not the greatest artwork ever she's done. <laughs> but, but guess what? My daughter gave it to me. And it brings a joy in my life because it comes from within. It's not the outside. It's the inside, right? Everybody follow me here. And so did you know that joy is a gift? It's a gift from God. That we have. Look at let's look at Galatians. In Galatians 5:22, maybe something that is very familiar to you in this. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy, Joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so if you've been around the church for a while like me, we've often used this as a comparison. Oh, gosh, I'm not feeling very loving today. I'm certainly not. I have no self-control. You should see my life. Uh, man, this is, I'm not, I'm not patient. Jack, could you please hurry this sermon up? Okay, you, you might be there. And so we've used this wrongly as a comparison model. And this is not a to-do list. Let me say that again. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is not a to-do list. It is a results list. It's a results list. It's a picture of what our lives walking with the Spirit of God can be. You notice what it doesn't say? It's, it's about walking in the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say, this is the, the fruit from someone who's raised in church. This is the fruit of someone who has never said a curse word or a negative comment. This is, um, this is not something that is earned or conjured up. It is a results list. And that's why when that verse, if we go back to that first, here's a great example of the difference between happiness and joy between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and and, and how she experienced in the first Christmas, the first account. And we have this in Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 4, 46 through 49. Mary's circumstances. Let's see what it says. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my soul rejoices in my God, my Savior. And we look at Mary and say, wow, that's awesome. But Mary's circumstances in her life were not ideal. They were really messed up. Mary is 12 to 13, maybe 15 years of age. She's in love and she's pledged to be married to Joseph. But there's this situation. Mary's pregnant before marriage. And it isn't Joseph's baby. And just to let you know, according to the law, she could have been taken out and had stones thrown at her until she was killed. Not the ideal situation, am I right? Not what Mary had hoped for. I mean, think about it. Mary probably sat and looked at all the old wedding books and all the planning. This is what she had looked for for all her her life. And she has some explaining to do, right? She has some explaining to do. Um, I'm pregnant, and it's God's. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? How's that going over? Not very well. You see, Mary had thought about and dreamed about her life, and none of this had to deal with the fact that she was going to be an unwed mother, pledged to be somebody, to, to, to somebody named Joseph. And now she had to explain to Joseph, to his parents, to her family, to a whole community around her. Mary is in a very, very difficult season. Yet, Mary's joyful. I heard someone once say that Mary and Joseph wouldn't be welcome in many churches because they were unwed parents. We need to, that, just a side note, we need to change how we relate to people and love people and that as well. But look at what Mary says. With all this stuff in her life, with all the threat of her own death and everything else, look what she says. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit does what? rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of my, the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Don't you love her kind of like cockiness? Oh yeah, I'm the one. For the mighty one has done great things for me, holy in his name. Stop. 
She has a horrible predicament that people are going to talk about her. She's going to get a name. People are going to say all kinds of other things about her, particularly in a culture back then where she should have been able to be done. All Joseph had to do was say, it's not mine, kill her. But we learn more about Joseph as well, that Joseph was going to divorce her quietly, because you had to go through that if you were pledged to be married. But then the Holy Spirit talked to him, and he said, all right, let's do this. All right? Tells you about his nature as well. And here she is, and she says, glory to God in this whole thing. You see, your life does not need to be perfect, to be joyful. We need to walk with God even in the midst of the darkest circumstances and then we can rejoice, rejoice in him. So how do we recapture this joy in our life? Well, number one, joy comes from knowing him in relationship. Let's see this clip from Elf, number, no, the second clip. Are you mad at me? No. Sure? Yes, I'm sure. Just do your job. Okay. Oh, wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this one? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. All right. All right. Did he get excited? Say, I got my shirt on. I know him, right? That's what he said. Here he is. In all the other employees in Gimbel's department store here knew that one of Santa's helpers, hired hands, would be there, like all other department stores around. And he's probably just doing it for some extra cash on the side, but not Buddy. Buddy isn't talking about just another person in a fake beard. He's talking about the real deal. He's talking about Chris Kringle. He's talking about Papa Noel, the real Santa Claus, the one who lives in the North Pole, the Santa he grew up with, the Santa with the real beard, the Santa with the toy shop that he worked in, the Santa with the sleigh that his Papa Elf worked on. Oh, Buddy the Elf knows him and is excited about it. I know him! Ah, ah, I know him! Is what he said. So what really brings joy in this Christmas season is I know him. And we ain't talking about Santa. We're talking about Jesus. If you know him, that's how you should be. People should say, Jesus is coming. Oh, I know him. Yeah, I know him. That's, how, that's a joy we should have in this. In knowing someone, over my life, I've met some, some people that were here and there, and I'd say, oh, I know them. I, our family was friends with the, uh, the former vice president of public relations for the Phillies. And I'd be like, oh, I know him, right? Oh, 
You know when you know somebody, you say, oh, I know them. And you have like this thing, oh, you get excited when, somebody, when you're going to meet somebody. When you know them. Buddy is excited, and we should be. We should be super excited. This time of year seems to rob us from some of that excitement. And Jesus gets lost in everything. And moms and dads with young kids, I know that they lovingly, and maybe even older kids, they lovingly are driving you absolutely insane. And you can look at them, and you can get them all together, and you can say, kids, you're driving me crazy. But it's okay because I know him, all right? You can do that. You can lean on God. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Say this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Say that like you're happy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say, rejoice. you see what he, Paul's writing here is he's saying, whoa, yeah, I know him. That is what said again. I know him. It's not because of circumstances. Because you read about Paul's circumstances, he should be miserable. Because he's not happy. Because everywhere he goes, somebody's beating on him, locking him up, throwing him around, eventually crucifying him. But he said, whoa, I know him. I'm going to say it again. I know him. I'm in chains. I know him. You're going you're gonna to go ahead and beat me? I know him. You see, there's a different approach because joy comes from within. From within the Holy Spirit of God. If life for us is lonely and bad, Knowing Jesus may be the only thing that gets you through another lonely night. You see, I tend to be outwardly a very jovial, happy person, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you all that there are many times in my life that I suffer with depression and loneliness. Time and time again. That I could be filled with an entire room, with an entire room of lovely, uh, loving people, and yet feel totally alone in my own head and mind reality. I've known other pastors and, and people who walk in life that deal with this epidemic time and time and time again. And sadly, many of those have lost a battle in the flesh. One of those was a pastor out in California who recently um, wrote, he wrote books and ministered to people who struggled with suicidal thoughts and depression. He had two young kids and he did a funeral for a girl a young woman that was in their group that they were trying to help work through suicide. And unfortunately, she took her own life. He did the funeral. He posted something on Twitter about mental illness and struggling with depression. And later that night, he took his own life. Of epidemic proportions that we can't get caught up in the only thing in this season is everybody's in joy because the numbers don't lie. The numbers show that there is more loneliness and depression amongst people. And sadly, there are things like suicide and loss. But the only thing that's going to get us through it, and sometimes even that's a struggle, is that we know him. Second thing, joy comes from the experience of being cheered on and cheered up. Let's look at this third clip from Elf. Are you enjoying the view? You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Crumpet put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. 
It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. Go away. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing, especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? All right. She's not feeling it, is she? She's not feeling the Christmas spirit. She's not feeling cheered up or cheered on. But yet, when Buddy starts singing, I'm singing in the store. When Buddy starts doing that, and then he gets in that whole thing with the, uh, the manager... Did you notice the smile on her face? Did you know how, how it changed and went on? Why? Because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is sing loud for all to hear. I love in my life, one of the things I probably love to do more than anything in my life is to cheer people up and cheer them on. There are several ways that I've been able to do that. Number one, I have a demented sense of humor. And I bring, I bring humor to whatever situation there is in life. And I love to see people who are just down just to be able to smile a little, a little bit and to cheer them up. There's so much sadness, so much pain. There's so much tearing down of people in our culture. And Buddy uh, recognizes that, in, you know, I, I realizes the simple fact that the world needs a little Christmas cheer. You know, just the other day, um, you can see the tearing down of people. I was just in a store the other day, and some of the things I hear parents saying to young, young kids, I'm just like, you do not know, understand the damage you're doing at this age. Um, in relationships, people tearing each other down. Um, and just that we need to be who God created us to, to be and yet to, to be strong in the Lord and just to bring this love and care. It's the thing about Jesus. Jesus is not grumpy and grouchy. No matter how artwork wanted to depict Jesus, most artwork about Jesus, he looks like he is miserable. But yet I don't believe that's who he is. Because anywhere Jesus went, he was the life of the party. J Jesus had crowds all around him. Even those who didn't like Jesus wanted to be around to see what would happen. Jesus was a cheer giver. Why? Because he's full of cheer. And why aren't many? Well, I think some people aren't cheer givers because you can't give what you don't have. You know, if you've never been cheered on and cheered up, you can't do that for someone else. So... Who in your life needs to be cheered on and cheered up? Many aren't because you're just miserable. And we can't give what we do not have in our lives. So who is it that needs to be cheered on? I remember years ago, I'm going to take you back to the late 1980s. Some of you are like, I don't want to go back that far. But some of you are like, oh, let's go for it. Um, go back to the late 1980s where a young Jack Cohen put on a wrestling singlet for Northeast High School. All right, now, 
you don't want to see that image now, but we'll just keep moving. All right? But I put that on. And, I, and in wrestling, there's this one-on-one kind of competition. But I remember several things. That if you were getting ready to pin somebody, or when you were walking out, they're like, oh, let's go, Jack. All right? You know, people start cheering. And if you're getting ready to pin somebody, you would have people, yeah, and you had the cheerleaders that were on, the, on next to the mat. Anybody remember them? And they went, oh, hit the, hit the floor. I think you were one, weren't you? Oh, look, she looked horrible. Maybe you weren't. You know, she was. Some other girl was yelling for me, okay? Um, but no. But they were sitting there, and they go, come on, come on. And you heard people, yeah, right? Anybody been part of that where people are just cheering you on? Did it do something to you? Did it have you dig a little bit deeper to go ahead and get that? You know, in our, in our, in our world here today, there are a number of people who just need to be cheered on. You know how many single moms are trying to make a life for their families all by themselves? And what they need is just to be cheered on. They need, they need a help up that we can maybe give to them and make a difference. Just a little bit. Okay? Just to say, good job, maybe start with and see how you can help. You see, in John 16, 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But be of what? Good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, you, I love cheering people. And if you actively cheer people on, you can cheer them up. And what happens is when you cheer somebody up, they, you get cheered up too. You ever done something for somebody and you feel so good about everything? It's just amazing to cheer people on. Go, help out. But then to cheer them up because we live in a culture that just wants to tear people down. Some of the most miserable people are celebrating Christmas this time. Let's look at this. The end of the movie, Santa's sleigh crashes in Central Park, and they need Christmas spirit or belief to make it fly. It's called the belief factor. Buddy's little brother is there, and after seeing the skateboard he asked for, the sleigh moves a little bit because he believes. Santa says something to Buddy, Buddy's brother, that seems really biblical at this moment. He says, it's not about seeing, but the believing. Number three, and our last thing that I'm going to share today is, joy comes from the expectation of belief and truth. And faith, sorry. Belief and faith. Sometimes you just got to believe. Sometimes it comes all the way down. That's what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Because in belief there is a power in expectation. Look at John 20, 29. Does this sound the same? Then Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me, yet believed. Doesn't that sound like what was said in the movie? You see, the expectation of things is the fuel to the fire. I remember when either we were going to my uh, relatives, house, or my cousins were coming over. There was an excitement and expectation. You'd hear something, you'd run and you'd look and see if they were there yet in the driveway. you run back, okay? Or as you were headed down to Lower Delaware, there was no Route 1. You went right by uh, the air base down through 13, took you forever, and you were looking. But the closer you got, the closer you started getting excited because you were going to be able to have football and play and do all this kind of stuff, and you were going to get some presents, Right? And there was that expectation that made it that much more enjoyable for the holidays. 
Sometimes what's going on under the tree, the stuff that's going on and seeing that, and the parents, right? When you see what they're doing and the excitement. Like I, I always love when parents have videos of their little kids coming down and seeing stuff wrapped. It could all be dirt. But they're like, oh, right? There's the, the expectation hits them. And there's so much. You see, it, a lot of times the presents that we get just don't cut the mustard, right? Another tie. Oh, great. But the expectation that's there is what gives us the, the fuel. You see, as we wind this down here at this time, believing in Jesus and all you hope and desire and need and want him to be is awesome. But the expectation that Jesus will do all this is the fuel to your life. I mean, it's one thing to say, I believe that Jesus came. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he said that same spirit that lives within me can also live with you. So you can do the same things and more than I've been doing. That's great to believe that. Oh, but if you have the expectation that Jesus is actually going to back the stuff up, it changes everything. And that's why here today, I can say, I know him. And I can say to you. I know him. And you can too. Because what the scripture says here is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. How, who's contained in everyone? Everyone. You may say, well, Jack, you don't know what I did last night. That, you're everyone. But Jack, you don't know the life that I grew up in. Guess what? Don't care. Everyone. Because I know him. And I know he don't care about that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. No matter what, you are included in everyone. So as I end this Buddy the Elf message today, here's what I want to ask you. Do you know him? Not about him. We live in a culture that knows all about him. Everything about him. They know that this is a celebration of his birth. They might even know the things, but do they know him? There are sports stars and people in my life that I've loved and I can record, I can give you every single tiny bit of statistic and stuff. I know everything there may be to know about them, but I still don't know. You see, I can tell you everything about Jesus I can tell you exactly where he's been because I've been in those places. I can take an historical perspective, which will come out this time of year, and you'll see it. I can tell you every single thing that, and I can Google it in five seconds about everything I wanted to know about Jesus. Oh, but unless I give my life and my heart to him, I don't know him. Today, you can leave this place knowing him. And you can walk out this door. You can walk into the grocery store and go, Whoa, I know him! And it's his birthday coming up. I know him, I know him, I know him! And he wants one present. You. Your life. That's all he wants. And the mess that it is. Because you are everyone. And he died. He was born to die on a cross for you and me.
And that I'm glad I know. And all the other stuff in my life that's going to make me feel down and not happy will fall by the wayside compared to the joy I have in knowing him. Amen? Let's stand.
next week, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. We're going to talk about the Grinch. How awesome in this verse it said, surely God is my strength. So your Lord love defends me. Your love defends me. And when I feel like I'm all alone, that verse just jumped out at me. If you feel like you're all alone, just trust in the Lord. And just remember, as you leave here today, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loudly for all to hear. God bless. Have a great week.